If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheiks are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or out a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheiks bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212. This is the World According to Zig podcast for this June 24th, 2018. My name is John Ziegler. I'm the host of this show where you can still get the truth about all the news of the day or the week or the month or whatever it is from a conservative perspective in this world turned upside down. This being our number two, that usually means we have a special guest. And we do, in fact, for this edition of the podcast, have a very special guest, a guy who's been on the podcast before. But for various reasons, I wanted to talk to him again. He is former Republican congressman and current radio talk show host for the Salem Network, also Hosts the show on Newsmax. He is Joe Walsh. Joe, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, John. It's awesome to be with you, my friend. So many reasons that I wanted to speak to you and uh, so many questions to ask. Part of why I I asked you to come back in the podcast is that I have sensed, and I know you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I have sensed that in recent weeks that um, you being in a very unique position. I, I, I look at you, Joe, as kind of a bellwether of this Trump era. In, yeah. that, in that you are um, Trump skeptical for sure, but you're not never Trump. Uh, but you also not only are a former congressman, but you are a host on two networks that are clearly dominated by very, very pro-Trump personalities. Right. You, would, you would agree with that assessment, right? Absolutely. Okay. And so you know, that puts you in a unique situation. And, and so therefore, I have looked at where you are on Trump um, probably more closely than almost anybody else of your ilk uh, because of the fact that I see you as kind of a bellwether for where we are and where we're going. And I have sensed in the last few weeks that your criticism of Trump has uh, strengthened. Is that, is that a fair assessment on my part? Yeah, John, I think it's a fair assessment. Look, it's, it's always been issue by issue with me, um, with Trump. And, and I think, I think you're assessment is right in that I have not agreed with a lot of what he's done the last month or two. Look, John, I don't like him. I, I don't like him personally. I think he's a bad guy. I think he's a bad human being. We've, you and I have been down this road before. I, it was an easy vote for me to vote for him because I wouldn't vote for her. But I don't like him, but I like uh, a lot of the agenda that was espoused. Um, and I, I think if I can nail down one thing, John Ziegler, in the last couple months, 
that has just really pissed me off. It's how, it's how much he lies. Mm-hmm. I think that more than anything has begun to turn me away from him. He just, you can't, you cannot believe anything that comes out of his mouth. Uh, you and I are a hundred percent in agreement on that particular issue. And, and frankly, Joe, and I, I want to talk about this issue for, for a little bit, because um, of all the things that have either surprised and or shocked me about how the conservative base has first been attracted to him and then has been so incredibly loyal to him. This is the issue that has me most baffled because to me, there are certain things that are bigger than issues. I mean, frankly, we're living in a political era where not much gets done anyway. So, so policy doesn't matter that much to me anymore because Nothing's going to change, really. I mean, unless something really dramatic occurs. I mean, there's occasional, like the cat tax cut or whatever. But by and large, policy doesn't change. We're so rigid in, in where we are politically. But but the cultural messages that a president can send, I think, are still very profound. And I used to think that Republicans really hated lying. I thought that's why we hated Hillary, wasn't it? I mean, and and yet, yeah. and yet, the, the lying doesn't seem to have had any impact at all. Has that surprised you as it as much as it has surprised me? Yeah, because <clears throat> I find it so disappointing. John, you and I are a lot alike. Uh, we're skeptical and deeply distrustful of government. I don't like government. I, I don't want a lot of government. And I abhor when anybody in my government lies to me. Now, I think... This may, this may be a cop-out, but I think the average Trump supporter believes that. They're not prepared to say it yet. I mean, we've been bombarded this last few months with just a bunch of his lies. And I hear on the radio and I hear from a lot of people who follow me a, a, almost kind of a quiet shame, but they're not ready to call him out on it yet. They're still in the reflexive mode Well. The media lies, too. I mean, look at that girl on the cover of Time magazine wasn't really separated from her mother. So see there, Joe, the media lies, too. But but I do hear privately, John, a lot well, of hold on, Hold on a second. Hold on a second, Joe. And I know you know this. But yeah. Time magazine at least acknowledged that. Trump Trump never acknowledges his lies. Agreed. No, no, I, I agree. I'm, I'm telling you what I hear from Trump. Okay, okay. I agree wholeheartedly. John, Donald Trump... Uh, has always been a liar, and I knew that when I voted for him, and you probably knew that when you didn't vote for him. Yep. But but it is it it's it's been profound the last four or five months. I think he's at a point where he now lies purposely. I mean purposely as a strategy, and he doesn't give a damn. I do believe John Ziegler that eventually that's gonna his supporters are gonna turn on that. What? Why? Why would they suddenly turn? Because, because the hardest thing, I think, for a Trump supporter, for any political supporter, somebody who, who, as you rightly point out, there's a cult-like thing going on here, the most difficult thing is to admit that you, you fucked up. Right. You made a bad bet. You right. bet on the wrong guy. Oh, that's a, guy. It's a huge part of this. Huge. Yeah, and, and they're, not, they're not prepared to admit that yet, that they bet on a bad guy. Now, I, I don't know why they can't publicly be where I am. I acknowledge he's a bad guy, but I wanted good judges. I, he's a bad guy, but I want my border secure. So, so, and I think a lot of Trump supporters are there privately. 
They just can't say that yet publicly. By the way, I, I know that a lot of people listening will say, uh, okay, Joe, uh, you say he's a liar. Can, can, are there, is there an example or two? I mean, I, see, to me, I think, frankly, Trump benefits from the fact that he lies so much. Yes. That, yeah. that it's very difficult to say, here's one or two that I, I'm really focused on, but are, is there one or two uh, maybe recent lies that really caught you and said, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, and, and by the way, John Ziegler, that's a great point. He, and again, I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> I voted for him. I can say this. Every damn word out of his mouth is a lie. So if that's the case, then people just become numbed to it. Mm-hmm. But after, when that IG report came out a week or two ago, and Trump right away said, look at this, this thing exonerated me. The IG report had <laughs> nothing to do with him. And, and John, that one just like so fucking pissed me off. I right. couldn't believe it. And I thought, I thought maybe there people are going to say, come on, Mr. President. That one, that one, of all of his most recent ones, just jumps out at me. That's a great example, Joe. Uh, and, and so let's talk about that one for just a second. That's you know basically what happened, in, in my view, is that the the whole Spygate thing turned out to be a total lie. Right. Uh, and and so he was looking for a distraction, and uh, and because he knows Fox News Channel is not going to correct him. And because right. he because he knows his cult will lap up whatever he says, he can he can just make up out of whole cloth a reality that, as you said, this IG report had nothing to do with nothing. And and you know if those who are are his, in his cult, they can grab onto it. It gives them a, an explanation for for what this is all about, and then he can move on. And he knows people will forget about it, partially because we are desensitized. That, to me, is the most dangerous thing. When we, as a society, become completely desensitized to lying, then that means that the truth no longer has any value anywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. No, and and John, that's, my wife always asks me, and a number of my close friends always ask me, you seem like a never Trumper, but you're not. What would finally make you turn on him? Right. Okay. And, and I don't know, but but I think this fact that he has no interest in telling the American people the truth, I I I just can't stand for that. I, I can't allow that. Okay. Well, I, I want to dig a little bit deeper though on this, and and again going kind of back to the Spygate thing, because to, to me yeah. the Spygate lie when. When some of your former colleagues in the Republican Congress, respected yeah. people on the right on the right committees, come out and say this is bullshit, that that should have been game set match, right? In in a in a in a prior world, that would have ended it for a Republican president. And yet, this was a non this wasn't even a speed bump for him uh, because he has been so effective, I believe, at desensitizing us. But but just just take from the, from the standpoint, Joe, of. Could you have ever imagined, even a few years ago, a Republican president lying in order to destroy the reputations of American intelligence agencies, and including among those people, Robert Mueller, a a, a respected Republican, and getting away with it? Could you have ever imagined that? No, and uh, John, I got to tell you... and I'm not going to give you any names, but uh, a bunch of the good guys in Congress, the conservative guys in Congress, 
privately, they'll tell you they don't believe anything that comes out of his mouth either. Uh, I, I'm actually glad that I'm not in Congress right now, because if I were in Congress right now, John, I'd be like Mark Sanford on steroids, because I'd be calling Trump out a lot. And, and Trump, like, you know, Trump took a shot and went after Mark Sanford. I have no doubt that Trump would have gone after me. So many of my Freedom Caucus guys, guys I love, they, they, they agree with every word I'm saying right now, but they won't, they won't say anything publicly. Well, doesn't that make them cowards, though, Joe? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating that term. Uh, it makes them, yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of being a weasel here. It, it makes them very self-interested. They all want to get reelected. And if you want to call that cowardly, yes. I mean, it's really remarkable the difference between what the retiring Republicans in the House and the Senate are saying about Trump yeah. and, and what those that are running for re-election are saying. It's, it's basically night and day, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, again, and you and I have argued about this a little bit. Yes, you're right. But here's the deal. I think, I think everybody in Washington, all the Republicans, they know what Trump is. Look, really nobody wanted him to win. I, I think they know he's like this weird joke. He's like a punch in the face. He's just like a reaction from the American people. I think every Republican in D.C. knows he doesn't stand for a damn thing. He has no core principle. John, I really do think damn near every Republican in D.C., again, privately views him as you and I do. But they're politicians. Uh, they're elected to get reelected, and they're elected to get things done. So they use this guy that have, they, they have no respect for. They use him to try to get tax cuts. Uh, they use him to try to advance certain policy. They're in a different position than you and I are. Look, I, I, I get it. It's easier uh, from the sidelines than when you have something to lose and you can rationalize by saying, I'm trying to do what's best for the country. Uh, I, I, I want to I go through that, that thought process more in a second with you, Joe. But you mentioned Mark Sanford, because I, yeah. think, I think this was kind of a seminal moment. I'm, and I want to know from you as a as a former Republican member of Congress, what your thoughts are on this. Here's a, here's a situation where Trump, and this is scary to me that he even has the power to do this, and I don't know whether he really did or not, but he certainly got credit for it. But in the middle of Election Day, he tweets out an anti-endorsement uh, of Mark Sanford in a primary. He goes down to defeat. Then in the Republican uh, caucus, he yeah. gratuitously takes numerous shots at Sanford, who apparently is very popular, especially within the Freedom Caucus, yeah. and, and and does so in a way that my interpretation is actually hindered his own ability to potentially get immigration uh, a bill through Congress that he, he theoretically wanted. What was right. your what was your take on on that whole situation? I was uh, I really I think the world of Mark Sanford. He's one of the best conservatives in the House. And I was so pissed off that some of my former colleagues like Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows didn't say a damn thing when this president went after one of the most conservative members that we've got. And, and I have no doubt, and I've talked to some of Sanford's people, John, that, that mid-afternoon Election Day tweet, probably uh, without that, the, the woman that Sanford lost to, by the way, prayers for her, horrible accident that she just mm -hmm. had, but, but she probably would have stayed below 50%, and there would have been a runoff. It made a difference. And, and it, it, it is 
it is, I'll, I'll use your word, I love them, and I'd say it to my buddy's face, but it's cowardly that none of these Freedom Caucus members, except for, you know, Ju- <clears throat> Justin Amash from Michigan right. has been great, and right. he, he called out Trump, but, but Jim Jordan and Meadows and the rest of them kept their mouths shut. And I'll tell you what, John, you know this, when Trump went, as you said, in front of the caucus and had that private meeting on immigration, every single Republican in that room uh, couldn't believe and was pissed off that he took a dirty, cheap shot at Mark Sanford, who wasn't even there. And, and then, but it also, again, it, first of all, he, he lies then about what happens in that meeting. He comes out and says everyone cheered him, which apparently was totally false, uh, but classic Trump because he can just make up his own reality. But more importantly, on, on the actual policy, since, since, since supposedly we're selling out here for some good policy, right? Didn't that episode harm the cause, Trump's number one cause of getting conservative immigration reform passed in the Congress? Yeah, because this whole thing is a lie. Here's another lie with Trump. I mean, Trump's been behind this so-called moderate slash amnesty bill, which, by the way, I don't support. I'm a hardcore guy on, on illegals in this country. Uh, I, I really believe it. And, and, and Trump has been presenting to his base like he can't stand this Paul Ryan compromise. And that's absolute bullshit because the White House has been working for weeks with Republican leadership to get that compromise passed. But again, he's lying to his people, uh, to his base, to his supporters, that he doesn't want that amnesty bill passed, um, when in actuality he's been behind it the whole time. Well, that's really interesting, and, it, and it's very easy to believe because, obviously, much mo- more overtly, he completely reversed himself on this uh, so-called family separation policy. Yeah. And I wrote a column that he had betrayed his base on that far more, wor- far more dramatically and long-term, in a long-term fashion than I think anybody has really thought about. Because here's my, my view on this, Joe, and I'm very curious, as, since you're a, a border hawk, whether or not you agree on this. I look at um, Trump on immigration. First of all, I think he's a fraud on that like he is on most things. I don't think he really gives a damn about the topic. He just used it to gain uh, traction during the primaries. And, you know, everyone loved the, the border wall talk. And so it was a hit with the crowd. So he kept with it. I don't think on the actual issue, of you, as you've already suggested, that he's much of a border hawk at all. Um, but, but with regard to his caving, in caving the way that he did, to me, he made it impossible politically for anybody, whether it's himself or anyone else in the future, to ever fully enforce our immigration laws because he set the predicate that even big, bad, anti-political correctness, pro-border wall, border hawk, supposedly Donald Trump will cave in a New York minute in the face of some negative media coverage and some crying kids on video. And that, yeah. that to me, means he didn't... It's not just this micro-policy that he caved on, which now, frankly, makes him, in my view, left of Obama in some ways on illegal immigration, but it's what he has prevented himself from ever being able to do in the future because he set this precedent. Am I correct? I think you're correct, John, and... and- I think you and I have talked about this before. I, if he, this, this was the issue of his campaign. 
And I know you think the wall was just a, a big fraud. And I, I agree with you in that I don't think Trump believes in anything. Uh, I voted for him, though, because partly because even though I don't think he believes in anything about border security, because he made it his campaign, I figured he probably thought, oh, hell, I got to deliver on some of it. Um, if he doesn't deliver on some of it on the border, I think a lot of his base is going to walk. I got to tell you, John, <sighs> the only time I've gone on talk radio and 80 percent of Trump's voters were on the radio pissed off at him were, was when he signed that omnibus spending bill. That was the first time I ever heard a huge majority of his people say, damn it, this is on him. He let us down. I hear the same thing on immigration if he's not going to deliver. I'm skeptical. I, I have I have not seen any indication, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or via the polls, which I watch very carefully, uh, that there's any indication that his base is, is softening on him or that they're starting to have their eyes open. Maybe you have more faith in, in these people than I do. I, I think if it's he a, doesn't. Hey, John Ziegler, let me ask you a question. If he comes out in 2019 and announces he's running for reelection and he has not begun to build that wall, you don't think that'll hurt him? Where would it hurt him? Uh, with some of his folks. But, but well, hold on a second. It doesn't matter because if he runs, he wins the, the, the nomination. So yeah, the board, no doubt. But so, so the border only matters in the primaries. It doesn't matter in the general election because he's going to be way to the right, at least in perception, of whoever the Democratic ca- candidate is. Frankly, I got to tell you, and y- you know me, I'm no <laughs> optimist. I call him like I see him. And I actually think, I, and I'm, I know I'm you know, often uh, counterintuitive and, and anti the uh, conventional wisdom because it's so often wrong. I think the Democrats not only didn't get a huge win in the long run on this family separation, I think they may have hurt themselves because I think they've now set the predicate that their nominee is going to be absurdly open borders. And that, yeah, could be. and that plays right into Trump's hands. And so, so I don't see how this hurts him at all because he's always going to be able to get into a situation where, well, the alternative is worse. I mean, his, his whole life has been, especially politically, I mean, that's the only reason why he won the presidency is because he was running against Hillary Clinton, uh, who, had, who had, in the, in the minds of the Republican base, you know, it might as well have been going against Satan. And so, therefore, yeah. anybody was better than her. Well, so Yeah, he, no, I hear that, John. I hear that. I just... A lot of his support, I don't know how large, they're not real political, and they've generally stayed out of politics, and they hate both parties, and they're pissed off about illegals in this country. And it wouldn't take a lot for them just to say the hell with it. I'm not going to come out and vote in November. Mm -hmm. I think it could hurt him with turnout in certain states if he doesn't even begin to build the wall. Mm -hmm. We'll see. I mean... I think there to me I and 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 this family separation thing I think was close to this the media wanted to make it into it but I think they failed partially because of their own uh, weaknesses yeah. but I've always believed that for Trump to be really damaged something has to be on video it has to be something people can see 
that yeah. something it, it it has to be for lack of a better term it's it, the uh the wizard of oz the old man behind the curtain moment right you see what i'm saying and that yeah. happen, that has to be something people can see because they're never going to believe the the mainstream media fox and talk radio are never going to explain to them the the man behind the curtain moment because they're invested in that not being the case and so people are going to have to see it for themselves i i don't know what that is going to be um you know and who knows john but i will throw this at you too my friend i and i think you're on the same page i look robert Mueller's coming out with something in a week or a month or two or three or four and i think what he's going to come out with is going to be damning now, I also believe you're right that Fox News has primed every Trump supporter out there not to believe a word mm-hmm. that Mueller says. But I really that 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 will overtake the news. That's mm-hmm. going to be a big deal. Um, my view on that, and I don't know whether you've read me on this, but I've written a couple, couple of columns about it. Uh, I think we're in for an O.J. Simpson redo. I think he's going to be mm. found to be guilty as hell. But I think that the. Um, the Mark Furman <laughs> defense is going to be effective yeah. with the base. And as yeah. long as the base stays with him, the Republican Party stays with him. There's been no indication whatsoever of anybody who matters in, in the Republican Congress going to have the balls to come out and say, Mr. President, you must go. There is no Barry Goldwater. Uh, and John McCain's going to likely, unfortunately, be dead by uh, the, the time that this happens, or at least certainly not uh, effective. And... Um, I, I just don't see how anything happens. I think Mueller would need just such overwhelming evidence that is not even realistic, given the nature of the allegations. So, um, and I, you know, so I have been, I've come to, it's seemingly contradictory. I, I am coming, although I've not come 100%, I'm coming to two seemingly contradictory conclusions. Right. One, that I think he's almost certainly guilty of something very serious. And two, there's no chance he gets removed from office because he has been so effective and his state-run media has been so effective in, as you say, priming that audience yeah. not to believe anything they're told. It's well, all... you're pro- Yeah, you're probably right, John, in that. And I agree with you. I think there's probably something damning there. I don't think it will remove him from office. But if there's something damning there... I don't think he gets reelected. Well, we'll but see. see, but see, Joe, I you have to, you can't beat him with nothing. You have to have something to beat him, and I don't think the Democrats are capable of nominating. Would Joe Biden have beaten Trump two years ago? Joe, I think so. Joe, yes, he would have. But Joe Biden can't get the nomination in this atmosphere. Oh, I don't know. I don't. He it'll can't. Be interesting. Barack Obama would have to spend all of his political capital to get Joe Biden the the nomination. A uh, Biden Camilla Harris ticket, my friend. Now, I'm I'm just I'm just telling yeah, you Joe, Joe that the liberal base has gone completely insane because of Trump. I cannot see them in a in a a multi-candidate race, which is yeah. clearly what they're going to have. They're going to have the same yeah. problem Republicans had in 2016. They're going to have yep. too many candidates and um, and that in some ways helps Biden because he, he, he brings obviously a base and name recognition right. and traction, but it also hurts him in, in other ways. And I just, I have my doubts. You really think, Joe, that the Democratic base, the liberal base that is going to 
uh, nominate a guy in his 80s who has Me Too issues, who has uh, Anita Hill issues, uh, who um, you know is 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 not is not somebody who lights their fire with the with, with what has become the modern progressive movement. How is that going to happen? Yeah, I, I don't know, John. And you're right; it's analogous to. to Look, I was a Tea Party congressman. I was part of the Tea Party wave. He pulled the party way right. And you're right. Right now, the progressive wing is pulling the party way, way left. Um, I, I, I don't know. I can't imagine, though. I can't imagine that they'd nominate a real radical. They're, they're, they're going to. I mean, I, and, yeah. uh, I mean, whether that's Warren or, or Harris or somebody like that, right. but, um, or, or Bernie Sanders or whatever. But uh, look, I mean, we're far afield from that. But I want to talk a little bit uh, about your personal situation and why, again, I find you to be a, a unique voice here. Uh, and I've already mentioned that, that you do a nationally syndicated uh, uh, talk show on radio via the yeah. Salem Radio Network, which I've dealt with. And you also do a, um, a TV show on Newsmax. And uh, these are very, very, very pro-Trump outlets. Uh, you're probably the, the least pro-Trump person on each of these outlets. Would you agree with that, by the way? You know, I, I'd push back a little. Salem did some research, John, on their network hosts. And I, I think that uh, there were a couple other network hosts who were viewed more never Trump than me. I think the names Michael Medved and Hugh Hewitt came up. But and, and Hugh I Hewitt, sort of an honest <laughs> broker in the middle. Hugh Hewitt, that's that's insane. That, that might have been done during the primaries of 2016. Well, but you know, John, you know what's funny here, and I did an event with Hugh Hewitt, and I love Hugh, but. Look, I did an event. We had a thousand raging Trump conservatives slash in the audience. And the difference here is, and this is where this all gets conflated, Hugh Hewitt is viewed as a party man, as a moderate. Joe Walsh is viewed as a hardcore right-wing Tea Party conservative. Right. Most hardcore Tea Party right-wing conservatives are Trump supporters. Right. So, so generally, that audience is with me, and that audience is against Hugh because he's you know, right. more of viewed of as more of a moderate squish. Right, right. That, that's why this whole Trump question is weird. Right. I think a lot of people think maybe Hughes more never Trump because he's just more moderate. Ah. You know what I mean? Okay. That's fascinating. And by the way, that, that's another reason why I, I think you're in a unique position. But let me get to my question. Yeah. So, so working for those two outlets, and let's face it, you're in the media business where ratings are everything. And, yeah. pe and people... Uh, it's very clear, it <laughs> couldn't be more clear, just ask Glenn Beck, that, yep. that people want to be told what they want to hear. How do you, Joe Walsh, balance your, your criticism of Trump with your desire, as anyone would want to have, uh, a job, How <laughs> to keep your job? How do you balance those two things, which seem to me, as someone who's been in the business and, and understands this pretty darn well, to be in complete contradiction with one another? How do you do, how do, you do that? So, and you can go ahead and pick me apart, John. I'm just going to give you probably a naive answer. Every day on the radio and TV, I just say what I believe. And yes, there's no doubt that there's some pressure to try to be more pro-Trump. Um, so far, I've been able to succeed. So far, I've been able to grow. We're on in 94 markets now, so I've been able to grow. 
I just started with Newsmax TV. But I, I think the reason why I've been able to grow is because I'm so conservative. Like on this border issue, John, look, I don't think anybody should be in this country illegally. I wouldn't let a, I wouldn't let a child, I wouldn't let an adult in here. Like I went on the radio this past week, and I went after Trump like you do. I said, you know, Trump caved. Trump lied to his base. Trump doesn't believe a damn thing. And I said those things on the radio, and my audience got pissed off. But then I said, but you know what? I don't give a damn if the kids and the adults live together. I don't care if they're separated. I don't want them in my country. If I were president, I'd turn them around, and I'd push them back into Mexico. And I say something like that because I believe it. And all of the Trump people who were mad at me, they say, hell yeah, Joe, that's what Trump should have done. Hmm. So, so, so you kind of you kind of go after uh, Trump from the right a bit. Uh, and, and I don't know who else does that, but that's because that's where I am. And, and you rightly said, John, he he caved and lied to his base this week about and, this whole immigration and thing. did great harm to the overall cause in the long run. Great harm. Totally. And totally. and and by the way, uh, it, it's been <laughs> this has been such a bizarre couple of years politically, as everybody knows. But um, I get called a liberal all the time, which is right. just freaking hilarious because I think I'm I'm probably almost as conservative as you are on, yeah. on most issues. And uh, we just look at Trump in a slightly different way. Uh, but I think that's an interesting way to do it. And good for you if you feel as if you're able to stick to your guns. But I, I got to ask you, though, are there times when you hold your fire because you think, gee, it's just too much for the audience to take when it comes to Trump? No. I mean, I got to be honest, though, John, there are days where it's a Thursday and Trump's had a bad three or four days. And I dread going into the studio because I don't want to light into him again because I feel like nobody's going to tune me in on. Mm -hmm. Generally, when I focus on the issues and less on Trump, I do better on the radio. And, John, look, I don't know how long this is going to work. Again, I'm just saying what I believe. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm trying to dance a dance. I don't think I am. I, I'm coming at him from the right because, like you, I'm a real conservative, and Trump's not. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, no, look, look it's, it's, it's not easy. i, I got to tell you, it's not easy because partly here, John, I find the whole thing kind of depressing. I mean, oh. I wanted Trump to be a punch in the face, but – I find it all to be pretty depressing. No, too. it's incredibly depressing. Uh, and, and frankly, in the last few weeks, I've just kind of had it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and and as part of that process of just finally, because I, I know that people like me get accused of all sorts of things, being a liberal, having Trump derangement syndrome, which is just preposterous, because I actually think I have been incredibly fair to Trump and open-minded and keeping open that hope that, okay, you know, is he going to change in office? Is he going to grow? Is he going to finally grow up? Uh, is he going to get some things done that are worth the price that we're paying? And I and I kept waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally I've just reached the point where okay, this is this is all bullshit. We're, we're, well, we're, and John, we're, John, the difference between you and I is, and I and I got all the respect in the world for you. I am such a huge fan of yours, and I love to read you, man. And I'm not stroking you. I respect you because you say what you believe. But you and I started at a different place, and I think it's hard to get rid of the perception. You started at a never-Trumper. 
Mm-hmm. I started at, you know, I don't like the guy, but I'm going to vote for him because mm-hmm. I want the wall and I want, want Obamacare mm-hmm. repeal, blah, blah, blah. So you and I started from a different place. Sure. And you actually, you actually, I, yeah, I, I was going to agree with you. Over the course of the last six months, you've actually been more open to not that Trump's going to succeed, but you're not as anti-Trump as I've heard you before. Well, because he's all we got at this point. I mean, is yeah. it, I mean, and you try to make the what's best of it for the country because I'm a guy who puts country way above party or anything else. Right. And, and I do think we're, we're in some pretty perilous times, but let me, let me talk to you though, Joe, as, especially as a former Congressman, about uh, a column I wrote a couple weeks ago, which is now, and I think it's mostly coincidental. I don't have nearly enough, a big enough ego to think that there's a connection. But since then, uh, Steve Schmidt and George Will and some others yeah. have basically come to the same conclusion, which is that the only way out of this for the Republican Party long term is for Democrats to at least win the House in November. Now, I'm quite certain you're not going to agree with that, uh, but I'm curious as to whether or not you can see where we're coming from. Absolutely, I see where you're coming from, and I got all the respect in the world for George Will, and even though I disagree with his conclusion, I understand, and he's as disappointed as you and I are in the feckless, cowardly Republican Party. It's like this guy, Donald Trump, has castrated the Republicans in D.C. He's ripped their heart out. He's grabbed their balls. And I get it. I get it. So so the Republicans ought to lose so they can find their balls and they can find their yes. heart again. Right. So what's wrong yeah. with that then? What, so why would you disagree with that? <laughs> well, again, I guess and, and maybe I'm, I've got a foot in that puddle. But again, I'm all about the policy and I'm all about the issues. And if and I know there's not a lot of difference between the Republicans and the Democrats, but if the if Nancy Pelosi had been Speaker, we wouldn't have gotten a tax cut bill that I don't love, but right. it's okay. Uh, oh, look, maybe go ahead. No, Joe, I, I couldn't agree with. I mean, Pelosi uh, being part of this equation makes it ex- much more difficult than it would be otherwise. Right. I have a, I have a very good friend who's a Democratic Congressman, John Yarmuth. And yeah. I tell him all the time that uh, Pelosi is going to cost them at least 10 to 15 seats and maybe uh, the majority. And I don't think he disagrees, uh, yeah. although he can speak for himself. But uh, so, I, look, I, if Pelosi and, and, and I've written about this as well, I, I think that if the Democrats were smart, which obviously they're not, uh, they, they would get her out of the equation because I think they would be a lock cinch to win the house and let so let me but joe i know you don't agree with this philosophy or this theory or or the strategy but but as a former congressman tell me let's just game plan this okay let's pretend that there is a blue wave in november i think democrats are a little too over optimistic about that but it is certainly possible that there'll be something akin to a blue wave let's pretend that yeah. blue wave happens and the democrats take the house in a fairly substantial way and and, you know, Republicans either barely hang on to the Senate or maybe there's a 50-50 tie or, or whatever. And it's clearly a Democratic win. Would that not change the atmosphere in the Republican Congress with regard no. to their relationship with Donald Trump? No? No, no. And I guess that's where I'm in disagreement with. OK, tell me why I'm wrong about that. Because as long as that guy is in the White House. Every damn Republican in the House and the Senate is going to be ballless and heartless. 
They, they are, so say they lose the House and they barely keep the Senate. Well, then in the minority in the House, all of the, the, the my Freedom Caucus guys and all of them, all they're going to do is defend Trump. It's still going to all be about Trump, and then the focus will be uh, on 2020. We got it. We got to save Trump. We got to get Trump elected. We got to do whatever really? Donald Trump says. Really? And, and we Wait a minute. Trump, Trump could cost them their majority, and and he you will. think they would still be in lockstep with him? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. See, I maybe there's a part of this equation that that I'm uh, anticipating, and and maybe you're not. See, I think that under this scenario, Trump becomes a Democrat. See, I, oh no, yeah. Well, he becomes a Democrat if he doesn't want to run again. No, no. What 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 would prevent him? You got to remember, we're we're living in a world where where logic and truth no longer matter, Joe. So no, he, I know. So, I, so, I, so, I know, but he's still. If he's running for re-election, he can't become a Democrat. Why? What he'll Why? What he'll do is Why? He'll just, what, because he can't he he can't win. How about Why? That? He just can't, Why he not? Get re-elected. Why not? Maybe he'd eke out a nomination. He then may get a challenge from the right, but he'd get killed in the in the general because his base would stay home. That's possible, but I but there, let me throw another scenario at you. I, what if he does decides he doesn't want to run for re-election? Then the, well, then the equation totally changes. Then, then, then every of all my former colleagues in the House kind of jettison themselves of Trump, right? Because again, they're they're all focused on their ass, getting their ass reelected. Right. They all love Mike Pence, and and they they would just let go of Trump. But as long as Trump is there and he's running, they are going to be his lapdogs. Period. Wow. Whether they're in the majority or the minority. Okay. Well. That's a little bit surprising to me, but I, I do think that you're, uh, you, you don't accept the idea that it, under my scenario, under the blue wave scenario, that, yeah. that Trump effectively becomes a Democrat, because that to me is exactly the way his mind works. I mean, well, he, has, he has no loyalty to the Republican Party or to Republican policy, so he's going to go where, wherever the people are, wherever the power is, where, where, wherever is best for him, isn't he? He has, no lo- he has no loyalty to anything but himself. But again, if, so if all he cares about is himself and he hates to lose, and if he decides I'm going to run again in 2020, he can't become a Democrat. I think all he would do is he'd spend two years running against Nancy Pelosi. Or whoever the speaker is, that's all he'd do. Hmm. Well, then maybe it'll take two two uh, huge losses for Republicans to finally wake up and realize what Trumpism has done to them. I see. I part of what, and I've been arguing with people about this ever since I wrote the column. And I understand. Look, I'm going to make very clear. Very, very few people are in the George Will, John Ziegler, Steve Schmidt boat. But right. it's, it's, I, I am fully aware, and, and uh, you know, the, the most hilarious thing will be, if this actually occurs, we'll actually get some blame for it, which will be absurd because there's right. like five of us. Uh, right. and, and so we're just saying what theoretically ought to happen. But, um, but to me, <laughs> but to me, I, I, I look at this in the very long term. I got two young kids. So, yeah. so I, I, it seems to me, and this is part of the Trump phenomenon. I've always uh, uh, equated the Trump phenomenon a lot like having a drug party. You know, drugs feel good for the night, maybe a couple yeah. of weeks or whatever. But you know, down the road, you're eventually going to pay the price. And and to me, I, I look at this and go, the world is very unlikely to end in the next two to four years. So 
So we screwed up. We had this drug party, um, and uh, we've got this cancer, whatever uh, you know, metaphor you want to use. We've got to remove the cancer. We must prove to everyone that the cancer is a cancer. Uh, and then once it is removed, we have a chance to potentially rebuild. Now, that rebuilding is going to be painful, just like cancer surgery is. I mean, we're going to put up with Nancy Pelosi as a majority or, you know, uh, Speaker of the yeah. House and, and maybe, uh, you know, some crazy Democrat as president. But, but then we, you know, hopefully four to eight years from now, we can regroup rebuild and not make the same mistake again. That's that's where I'm at on this because to me, unless Trump is repudiated in some dramatic fashion, and this is the only way we've got, Joe, is the midterm election. There's no other way to do this in a, in a way that's that's clear cut. Uh, even, hey, John, even, and even if I agree with you, that's never gonna happen. Look, you're not a congressman. I'm no longer a congressman. I, I lead, Again, think about this. Every single Republican in the House and the Senate privately agrees with everything you and I are saying about Trump. I mean every single Republican, yet none of them say anything. That will not change as long as he's president. So just to be clear on what you just said there, <laughs> Joe Walsh, former congressman, is saying that every single member of Congress in, on the, in the Republican caucus is philosophically never Trump. Well, I don't know if I want to phrase it like that. Every single member, I think, I think every Republican in Congress privately uh, can't stand him and believe he's probably doing harm to the party. But they cannot say that publicly. They, none of them can say publicly what they, how they really feel privately, except, as you said, the ones who are leaving. I, I just don't get that. I mean, I, 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 hey, John, I couldn't do it. Look, I was there. I just, I just, I, I just, I just don't. I was there right now. I why, why couldn't, why couldn't, why couldn't uh, 12 of them get together and uh, hold a joint press conference so there was, there'd be power in, in numbers or something? I mean, are they that? I mean, is, I mean they're, I'm sure they're all having this conversation in the, in the cloak, cloak room every single day. So, so why not do this in unison? Trump can't go after a whole bunch of them. Every single one, John, especially in the House, is so pissed at him because of what he did this past week on immigration. But they won't say that publicly. This may have been the worst week of his presidency. He screwed everything up, but they can't say that. Hmm. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, Joe, uh, as always, I really appreciate the time, and I really appreciate uh, you being willing to be an honest and uh, brave voice in the wilderness here. I do think you're in a unique position, so I'm going to keep uh, looking at you as a bellwether for where we are and where we're going. And and hopefully and hopefully you're right about uh, people eventually coming to their senses. Although I have I have my doubts about that. John, I'm a fan of yours. Keep doing what you're doing, brother. All right, and uh, Joe, uh, people can uh, find you at Twitter at uh, Walsh Freedom. At, at Walsh Freedom. At Walsh Freedom, and where can they find uh, your radio and, and TV hey, shows? Uh, uh, radio, it's walshfreedom.com slash listen. And TV, it's newsmaxtv.com. I'm on at 9 o'clock Eastern every night, Monday through Friday. Joe, thanks so much. Keep in touch, buddy. Thanks, John. That's uh, Joe Walsh, former Republican congressman. 
and a radio and TV talk show host. I hope you enjoyed that uh, interview as much as I did, because you're not going to find more educated truth on the subject of Trump from a conservative perspective than you just got there. As is always the case, I ask only two things of you. Number one, I make sure you share this via social media, Twitter, Facebook, uh, word of mouth, what have you. And number two, do yourself a favor. And uh, if you're one of those people who sleeps, you know, us never Trumpers, we at least sleep well. Uh, if you're one of those people who sleeps and when you sleep, you use sheets, pay attention to this important message. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed, ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mmm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212.